Oh, gracious God, our spirits do cry out. We rejoice in you this day. We praise you. We shout that, Hosanna. We lift you to the highest. We look forward to that day, for that time, when the trumpet will sound, when the clouds will part, on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. Until that day, Father, prepare us in this day. Be present with us, encourage us in your spirit, strengthen us that we might endure and overcome. Keep us steadfast and strong in this time. Point us to the truth and be present with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat this morning while uh, Called by Name takes a seat. Uh, Remember, uh, kids' camp's underway, so you can get your kids there too. All right, well, we are in uh, in a series of, uh, of big questions and uh, trying to ask those big questions and go into the Scripture and uh, discern from uh, from the Word uh, some of the answers to these, these uh, big questions. So today, the big question that's in front of us is, uh, when will Jesus return? Now, we're only going to talk today about just the answer to that question from a biblical perspective. When is Jesus going to return? We're not going to get into all the details of what's going to happen when he returns. Uh, That's going to be next week when we try to answer the question, what about the tribulation? Okay, that's next week. So come back for that kind of, you know, phase two of the story. But today what we want to center on is just trying to glean from Scripture uh, the biblical truth that just says, okay, what about this Jesus coming back thing? Uh, When is he coming back? Right? That's the ultimate question. Uh, in order to kind of answer the question, the first place I think we need to start is to make sure we're all on the same page and understand he's coming back. Uh, even though uh, U.S. Uh, and World Report says that 61% of Americans believe he's, he's uh, going to come back, interestingly enough, 41% of those Americans believe it's going to happen in their lifetime, which is kind of interesting because uh, we don't have that many Christians in a percentage basis in America, right? So, so the world kind of understands this. The world kind of gets this doctrine of ours. They kind of understand the reality that, you know, one day Jesus is going to come back. But we've got to make sure as we get into the question today that we're all at the same place. And we hear it from Jesus. We understand the truth of this doctrine that one day Jesus will come again. So if you look with me at uh, John uh, 14, and we ask the question, will Jesus come again? We're going to hear from Jesus himself, Right? Uh, He says to his disciples, don't be worried. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true. I'm going there to prepare a place for each of you. And after I have done this, I will come back and take you with me. Then we'll be together. Now, there's comforting words in that that text, right? I mean, Jesus is telling us, look, he's going to leave us, but don't worry. He's going to prepare a place for us. and, And that feels really good, right? But by the time we get to the end of those comforting words, he he gives us just the promise. He just says, look, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and after i got everything all set, then what am I going to do? I'm going to come back. You with me? I'm going to come back. Just kind of straightforward from Jesus. Here's the plan. I'm going to ascend. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and when i got all things set, I'm coming back. And then when I come back, you're going to be with me, and we're going to be together eternally. Okay? So we get from Jesus himself just the simple truth, the simple promise that says, hey, I'm coming back. Now what happens is God gives us an affirmation of that truth 
when Jesus ascends. You remember when Jesus rose from the dead? He rose from the dead and he hung out for about uh, 40 days with his followers. And then uh, finally, after those 40 days, uh, he ascended to be with the Father. And if you go into the book of Acts, you get the experience of, of that ascension. And then you get a confirmation of the truth that he's coming back. It's in Acts 1. It says this. After Jesus had said this, while they were watching, he was taken up into a cloud. They couldn't, could not see him. But as he went up, they kept looking into the sky. And suddenly, two men dressed in white clothes were standing there beside them. They said, why are you men in Galilee standing there, here, looking up into the sky? Jesus has been taken to heaven. But he will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. What's the confirmation word there? Well, the angels come. And we know what angels do. We talked about them before in the big questions. That angels are those messengers that bring us that confirming word, whatever it is God wants us to get, right? They bring us a word that God wants. So here, Jesus has said, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back and, um, and we're going to be together. He rises from the dead. He goes to prepare that place, and we get angels who show up. And the angels show up with a confirming word that says, Hey, you don't need to think about this now. You don't need to have your heads up in the clouds. Don't be watched. Get busy, because what he said is true. He's going to come back. You see the confirming word? Are we all on the same page? Do we understand and believe that Scripture teaches, uh, without a doubt, that Jesus is going to come back? We there? Okay. If you're not sure about that, see me afterwards, okay? All right, if we're all at that place, then that's going to lead us to the next question, right? The real question. If we all say, okay, he's coming back, then that leads us automatically to the next question in our own mind. Because right away we say, well, okay, he's coming back, but when, right? That's the next thing, but when. To answer the question of when, we need to spend time in Matthew 24, Matthew 24 is probably the best collection we've got of Jesus' teaching in the answer to this whole question, when is he going to come back? Now what happens in Matthew 24 uh, is relevant to what happened in Matthew 23. What happened in Matthew 23 is Jesus is in Jerusalem and he's been teaching and he's been really doing well and the crowds have been following him and the Pharisees and those who have been out to get him, they've been trying to challenge him and they've been coming after him with hard questions and he's been answering the hard questions and rising above them and his disciples are there and they're watching this whole thing, you know, and so... The reality is, by the time we get done with 23, the disciples are probably feeling pretty good because Jesus has done really, he's had a good day. He stood up to everybody. He's answered all the questions. He's just really been a great teacher for the day. And after all, they're in Jerusalem. And these fishermen from Galilee are in Jerusalem and they're walking around the temple. And you just look at the first verses. After Jesus left his temple, the disciples came over and said, Look at all these buildings. What's going on with the disciples? Oh, man, New York, New York, right? How I many are like, wow, what an awesome place. This is fantastic, Jesus. You're answering all the questions. You're really putting them off and you're putting those guys down and you're really doing awesome. And besides that, look at these buildings. This is like an awesome place. And look what Jesus says to them next. Do you see these buildings? They will certainly be torn down. Not one stone will be left in place. He makes the transition right there to start talking about 
when is he going to come back? They're all captured by the world. The disciples are all captured by this moment. They're all excited about big buildings and what Jesus has been doing. And Jesus immediately redirects them to thinking about the hard question. But wait a minute, what's really important here? What's going to happen? These buildings, they're nothing. They're going to be torn down. He says that statement and then he walks a half a mile and he goes outside the city and he goes up on the Mount of Olives. Now, if you're into the Bible, this is a really cool moment because he goes up to the the Mount of Olives after planting this big seed about, whoa, things are going to change. Why is this important? This is important because if you go to Zechariah and you see Zechariah talking about the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, Zechariah says when the Messiah comes, he's going to start the change. He's going to start the end times and he's going to start it, guess where? At the Mount of olives. Here's what he, he will take his stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. Jesus now goes to the Mount of Olives after dropping that big thing there and starts teaching in Matthew 24 about the end times, about what's going to happen in answering our questions. He says later as Jesus was sitting where? On the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and asked, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world. So here's Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives, just like Zechariah taught, and now he's going to start answering the question we're about today. When is he coming back? As he answers the question, he gives us and says there are three signs you need to look for. Three signs you need to look for. It's kind of like when you're you're going on the freeway and you've got those big blue signs. You know, and the one says gas, and it gives all the gas stations. The other one says accommodations, gives all the accommodations. The other one says food, it gives all the food, and you fight about where you're going to have lunch, right? It's like you're running down the freeway, and there's whoop, big sign, big sign, big sign, right? This is what he do. Three signs. He says, look, there's three signs as you're, as you're speeding through life now, as you're going through life. There's three things you've got to pay attention to so you don't miss the exit, so you don't miss what's going on. First sign, he says, is... The sign of deception. There's a sign of deception. If you look at uh, Thessalonians 5, he highlights it in Thessalonians 5 as well. It says, Jesus answered, don't let anyone fool you. Many will come and claim to be me. They will say that they are the Messiah and they will fool many people. What's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of folks out there claiming that they know the truth. There's going to be a rise in religions claiming that they know the truth. There's going to be an increase in all kinds of false prophets and false teachers. There's going to be an increase in false religion. There's going to be an increase of people being drawn away from the truth of the gospel to all this other stuff. What's really scary is the last verse. Look what he says. People will think they are safe and secure. What's the first sign? Not only will there be this rise in all this other religions, all this stuff pulling us away from the truth, all the false prophets, but people in general are going to get so secure in their material things. People in general are going to wrap their security not around the truth of the gospel in Christ, but they're going to wrap themselves up in their everyday business and their success and their education. They're going to wrap themselves up in the security of the material of this world, and they're going to prefer the material of this world. 
Anybody feeling nervous at this point? First sign. Deception, false religion, people getting secure. Second sign. Second sign he points to is that there's going to be an increase of chaos and an increase in self-centeredness. Let's just walk through this one from Matthew 24. He says, you will soon hear about wars and threats of wars, but don't be afraid. These things will have to happen first, but that's not the end. Nations and kingdoms will go to war against each other. People will starve to death, and in some places there will be earthquakes. But this is just the beginning of the troubles. Stop there. What's going to happen? There's going to be chaos. There's going to be chaos. The nature itself is going to enter into chaos. There's going to be earthquakes and all kinds of things going on throughout the world. And there's going to be wars that rise up. And there's going to be people hating people. There's going to be people starving in the world and other people not even giving a rip that they're starving. There's going to be this, this chaos that's going to start happening throughout the world. Anybody getting nervous? Look what happens next. You will be arrested. No, go back, please. There you go. You will be arrested, punished, and even killed. Who's the you? You. You get that? I mean, if you're a Christ follower, he's talking to you right now. You. You, yep, you will be arrested, punished, and even killed because of me. You'll be hated by people of all nations. Many will give up and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will come and fool a lot of people. What's going to happen? The church is going to start getting persecuted again, even more terribly. The church is no longer going to have favored status. The church isn't going to be just this wonderful group of people in the world anymore. The church, you, Christ followers, are going to start paying a price for being a follower of Christ. The church is going to be pushed out. As nations rise against nations, the church is the one that's going to be taking the persecution. Anybody getting nervous? Look at the last part. This is the worst part of it all. Evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. If you want a fuller explanation of that one, you can go to 2 Timothy 3. And as I share this with you this morning, I just want you to think about Think about the world you're in. Think about the, the people you experience this day in this world. Here's what Second Timothy says. You can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. Is it going to get better or worse? Pretty clear. People will love only themselves and money. They'll be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless, heartless, and hateful. Their words words will be cruel. They'll have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that is good. They'll be sneaky, reckless, and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. Even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Pretty clear? Feel pretty close? This is the second sign. It's the second signpost. Things are not going to get easier. It's going to get a hard-hearted world. Third signpost. Are you depressed yet? Okay. This is really cool. You ready for the third one? The third one is good news. Okay? We need a good news sign, don't we? The third one is a good news sign. Uh, and why don't you say verse 13 with me so you, you get that good news in your, in your, uh, on your tongue. You ready? You ready? 
But if you keep on being faithful right to the end, you will be saved. Good news? Good news! The reality is, the one that's in you, Christ follower, is greater than all that we just described. The one who is living in you, who is working in you, the one who is the Lord of your life is greater, stronger, more powerful, and is more in store for you than everything you already heard in the first two signs. And you, through him, have the strength to persevere and overcome whatever the world throws at you. He is greater than everything you've heard in those first two signposts. Verse 14, and this is what he's about. When the good news about the kingdom has been preached all over the world and told to all nations, what? Then the world's going to come, the end, right? The end, that's when it comes. Here's the answer to the question. Do you get the answer? When's it going to come? When the gospel, when everybody's had the opportunity, when our patient, loving, kind, gracious, good God has given everybody the opportunity to hear the gospel, then the end will come. Is it going to get easy? No, it's going to get harder. It's going to get tougher. False teachers are going to come. Religion's going to grow cold. Hearts are going to get hard. It's going to get tougher, but you can stand. You can overcome. And because of that, you're going to be in the business of preaching the gospel. And when that's done, then, when everybody has the opportunity, then the end will come. Second Peter uh, 3 gives us an insight into the nature of how compassion and kind is. Uh, God is in this. He says, Dear friends, don't forget uh, the Lord one day is in the sa- is a thousand years and a thousand years is the same as one day. The Lord isn't slow about keeping His promises as some people think He is. In fact, God is patient because He wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. What's the point? The end is coming. It's not here now. Why? Because God is patient. God is thinking about you. He's thinking about your neighbor. He's thinking about your relative. He's thinking about your children. He's thinking about the people you know who don't know Christ. And because of them, He's being patient. And even though it's going to get tough on us, even though it's going to get harder and there's going to be a lot of false stuff and a lot of cold hearts, even though it's going to get harder on us, He is patient. Why? Because He's thinking about them. And He wants them to come to know Jesus. And because of that, because of his kindness, his mercy, and his patience, he is willing to wait. Well, the next question for us then is, well, okay, so we get this, it's happening, and and, uh, we know when, when the gospel is going to be preached. So now the question is, well, is this happening for us? How do we know when this is really getting busy, when this is really starting to uh, happen? In Matthew 24, Jesus gives us an image to try to get a handle on understanding how this all unfolds. He says, all we have to do is look at the fig tree. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches sprout and start pulling out the leaves, you'll know that summer is near. So when you see all these things happening, you'll know that the times has almost come. I can promise you that some of the people in this generation will still be alive when all this happens. The sky and the earth won't last forever, but my words will. What's he doing? He does an analogy and he says, now look, here's the way it works. This is all set in play. This is underway. It's just like the fig tree, right? When the fig tree starts to bud, the leaves come out, you know, it's spring. What comes after spring? 
This is where you say summer. Right? You know that, right? Spring, summer, it hasn't changed. I know we live in Wisconsin, but it still goes that way, right? I mean, it's spring, and then it's summer. Right, right? So what he's doing. See, look, this is the pattern. This, this is the pattern. This is the way it works. When, when you see this stuff happening, it's unfolding. It's just going to flow just like the seasons flow. This is just going to happen. It's just going to unfold. And notice the verse down there. He says, and I can promise you that some of the people of this generation will still be alive when all this happens. What's that about? Well, it means for you and I, it's already unfolding. He said, look, I promise that the people who are hearing me today, what's going to happen? These signposts, it's started. It's underway, okay? I've already come into the world. When I came into the world, the end started happening. So the end is underway. We can know that you and I today are closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than anybody ever has been before. It's underway. Just like spring comes and then summer comes, the reality is that the end times, the end is underway. This we need to get. The end is already underway. If we receive that, then we have to ask the question and say, well, what's, what do we observe about that? What does this mean to us? What do we get from this? A couple of things that Jesus would lift up for us in Matthew 24. First thing is we got to understand that this is underway, but the world doesn't get it. The world's not going to be prepared for it. The world doesn't see this the way we see this. The world doesn't get it the way we do. He says, no one knows the day, the hour. Can't predict it. We've had guys try. They've all failed. Right? No one knows the day, the hour. The angels in heaven don't know. The Son himself doesn't know. Only the fathers know. When the Son of Man appears, things will be just as they were when Noah lived. People were eating, drinking, getting married right up to the day that the flood came and Noah went in the big boat. They didn't know anything was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man appears. It's already underway. Signposts are already in place. It's already taking place. And the world is not going to be prepared for it. The world's not going to be prepared for it. He parallels it to Noah. What happened with Noah? Noah gets a word from the Lord that the end of the world is coming and he should start building a boat. He starts building a boat. How did the world respond to him? Noah! You're nuts! Right? Noah! What are you doing? What are you thinking? Sunny, no rain. The world wasn't prepared, but Noah was prepared. We need to understand this. It's just going to come. It's just going to happen. And the world itself is not going to be prepared for what, for what God is doing. Instead, the world is going to do life and business as usual. They're going to be about business as usual. They're going to be about their self-centeredness as usual. They're going to fall into moral decline as usual. They're going to be about the things and the stuff of this world as usual. Until a trumpet starts sounding. The world is going to be unprepared for this. But the big teaching for us today is the world may be unprepared, but what about us? If you listen to this today, if you answer this question and you follow along with us today, it means you are up on the world because you understand Jesus is coming back and you can be prepared. You can be prepared. This is what the answer is for us. Yes, we know he's coming back. And because we know he's coming back, we have an edge on the world. We can be ready. 
We can be prepared for it. He gives us that encouragement in Matthew 24. He says, so be on your guard. You don't know when the, your Lord will come. Homeowners never know when a thief is coming and they're always on guard to keep one from breaking in. Always be ready. You don't know when the Son of Man will come. What is it for us? If we answer this question and say, yes, we know he's coming back. Yes, we know it's already unfolding. What does it mean to us? Get ready. Be ready. Look for it. Be ready for it. If we understand it's coming, then we have the privilege of taking the precautions of being ready. Okay, what's precautions? Ready how? How do we get ready for this? I'll give you a couple, three answers. Three answers. Number one is build up other followers. Build up other Christ followers. We know times are going to get tough. We already learned that, right? If we know times are going to get tough, then what do we got to do? We got to get each other ready. We got to get ready for the hard times. We got to build each other up and encourage one another. Paul tells us that in 1 Thessalonians 4. He's talking about when Jesus is going to come back and when the resurrection is going to happen. He says, With a loud command, with a shout of the chief angel, a blast of God's trumpet, the Lord will return from heaven. Then those who have fallen in Christ before they, they died will rise to life. Next, all those who are still alive will be taken up to the clouds together and meet Him in the Lord in the sky. From that time on, we'll all be together with the Lord forever. Now look what he says in verse 18. Do what? Encourage each other with these words. What should we do? Get ready. Get ready. Encourage one another and say, hey, you know what? The Lord's coming. Isn't that awesome? Somebody's having a hard time in life. Somebody's really struggling in life. Go wrap your arms around them and say, you know what? This is not going to last. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make things right. You're facing difficult things. You're going through painful things. Guess what? They will not last. They cannot last. It's already happening. Jesus is coming back. Encourage one another with these things. The early Christians did this all the time. When they would greet one another, they would greet one another and they would say, Maranatha to one another. It means, come Lord Jesus. They were acknowledging that whatever's going on, Jesus is coming back. It's like just seeing your buds and saying, hey man, how you doing? Hey, the Lord's coming. It's good. All's cool. See, whatever's going on, the Lord's coming. He's going to make it right. The encouragement for us to be ready is to be ready by just being in each other's lives and reminding each other that the one who's in us is greater and he's coming back. Ready how? Second thing, get life righteous. This is a hard one. Get life righteous. If we know Jesus is coming back, then we need to get our lives right so that when he comes back, Scripture says, we don't stand before him with shame. If you look at the text in 1 John, children, stay one in your hearts with Christ. Then when he returns, you will have confidence and you won't have to do what? Hide in shame. You see that? You know that Christ always does right and that everyone who does right is a child of God. What's the encouragement? If you know he's coming back, if you know it's already unfolding, get right. Get your life right. See, some of us are living out there and we just don't have all our life in line yet with Christ. I mean, we may have some of our line in life in line with Christ. We may, you know, surrender part of our life to Christ, but we're just not there yet. Here's the encouragement. Get, do it. Get it right. Start living the way God wants you to live. Give it all over. Just follow whatever it is Christ wants to do in your life. If you're living in a way that you know is contrary to the way God wants you to be, He's coming back. Get it right before. Get right with Him now. 
I mean, here's the question of the day. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow at 5 p.m., what would you change in your life between now and tomorrow at 5 p.m.? Change it anyway, because he may be here tomorrow at 5 p.m. Get it right. We encourage one another, and we have the gift, we have the opportunity now, because we know he's coming back. We can get our lives in the place they ought to be, so we can live those lives fully now. And when he comes back, we can rejoice and have confidence before him. Last thing, most important thing. Surrender and seek others. If we know he's coming back, then we need to make sure that we just surrender our lives to Christ. See, not, not everybody in the room may be in the same place, right? Not everybody in the room may be a sold-out Christ follower at this point. If you're not, let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. Don't waste any time. Surrender to him now. I mean, I mean your whole life. Just, just give your whole life to Christ. There's nothing better. Just give your whole life to Christ and say, yeah, I know he's coming back. Maranatha, I know he's coming back. I'm just going to live my life for him now, as long as I've got. And he's going to elevate your life to the place you never imagined. But it begins with being able to surrender. And just Jesus Christ take over your life in every way. And if you're already a Christ follower and you're already at that place where you say, hey, I live my life for Christ, I've surrendered completely, then here's the gift we have. The gift we have is we have the time between now and the time he comes back to reach as many other people as we can reach. You know, we're going to three services here in the fall at Christ Church, and I know there's some folks out there going, oh, three services, look around, there's empty chairs yet, what are you thinking, what are you doing? You know what we're doing, what we're thinking? We're thinking about all those people we have to reach because Jesus is coming back. And we're going to make room for those people. Because we know we have the urgency to reach those people. Why don't you watch the screens for a minute, watch this video, and uh, maybe it will say it better than, uh, than I can. You got it, guys? Listen, I know this sounds crazy, but your father is a CIA operative, your mother works for the KGB, your sister is a terrorist, and your grandmother was the gunman on the grassy knoll. I know I'm a complete stranger, but you're going to have to trust me. They're planning to detonate a nuclear weapon in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and blame it on the Dutch. Listen, I'll take care of all that. I need you to rescue my daughter. She's lost in the mountains, and feral pigs are after her. I don't know. Get a shotgun! Be pretty tempting, wouldn't it? Just sit around and eat hamburgers? Be pretty tempting to say, hey, I know it, but... No, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. Christ Church, we're about this urgency. This is what we're about. We're about reaching those people who aren't ready. They're unprepared. They don't understand everything that you just heard this morning. They, they don't know it. They don't get it. And we're their hope. We're the ones that Jesus Christ is counting on to reach them before that last day. We're the ones he's looking to because he's being patient and he's giving us this time. We have to use everything we can and not just sit around and have a good time on our own, 
We have to do everything we can to reach those people. Because it's where we started today. Jesus is coming back. And it's already underway. And there's people we need to reach. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you that you give us the privilege of knowing that you're coming back. We won't be caught unaware. We have that great opportunity of, of living every day in relationship with you, of, of having the fullness of life flow through us by your presence. We have that incredible blessing of walking with you day in and day out. Father, we just pray today, help us to get every place in our life right with you, to get, to get it in line with what you teach and what you desire, what you dream for us. And Father, we pray, give us the opportunity to reach those who are distant from us. Those who are distant from you. We know that time is getting closer. And we know you're looking to us. So Lord, we ask so humbly, not only for ourselves, but for others. Let your spirit flow. Let your spirit work. Let your spirit infuse us. That we can be ready and welcome that day. We can encourage one another. We can speak to others. And we can hear the trumpet sound and know this is a great day. It's Jesus' day. We pray it in his name. Amen.